So this week we're going to deal with Jesus' authority as the Son of God. Amen? Because this is a very important distinction that we need to understand in our Christian doctrine. Okay? And all doctrine means, don't get, don't get all beside yourself about the word doctrine. Do you know what the word doctrine means? Teaching. Amen? If you don't think that what's happening behind the pulpit is teaching, then you probably ought to go find a different church because teaching is what should be happening from behind the pulpit. Amen? We're teaching what the Word of God says about God himself. Amen? Now, we're going to start at chapter, uh, well, chapter 5, verse, I think, 13 or 15. I think it's 15. Verse 15. But before we do, we're going to go ahead and reread this, okay? Just so we can refresh it in our mind. Amen? Uh-uh. Well, it would help if I wasn't in Matthew. That's not the Bible. That's not the book we're in. Alright. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up into Jerusalem. And there it is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude. In these lay a great multitude of impotent, blind, halt, and withered folk, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and troubled the waters. Whoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The, important, uh, the impotent man said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day, that was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cur uh, cured, excuse me, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry thy bed. And he said unto them, The man that told me, or the man that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then they asked him, What man is he which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. Uh, for all of you that don't know King James, that means he didn't know who that was, okay? That's Kevin O'Connor paraphrased uh, dynamic right there, okay? This guy didn't know who it was. <clears throat> what verse did I leave off on? 13, okay. And the man that was held wits not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away and a multitude being in that place. In other words, Jesus went away and a whole, whole bunch of other people started gathering right there, okay? So they couldn't find him, okay? Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And that is exactly where we left off last week, right? It's exactly where we left off. And the reality that we talked about last week was the gospel question in this whole thing. Wilt thou be made whole? Is that not the gospel question? 
The gospel question is this. Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, right? And the question is, do you receive him? Do you believe this? Will you be made whole? Will you be freed from sin? Isn't that the old song that we used to sing? Would you be free of your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Amen? We sung that song last week. Understanding that will thou be made whole is a gospel question. It's asking you, do you believe that you can be made whole? Amen? The question in Christian terms now that the resurrection has happened and Jesus has went to the Father and the Holy Spirit is now here, the question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ unto eternal life? If so, receive the Spirit of God. Amen? This is the promise. This is the gospel. Believe in Jesus and be saved. And the question is no different. Will thou be made whole? Amen? Now, I drew a parallel between that, understanding that this is not the intent of Jesus. What he was saying wasn't, hey, I'm saving you. He was simply asking him, will you be made whole? Amen? But I was drawing a dynamic last week from between that question and what we know the gospel is. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, crucified, dead, and buried. Amen? Jesus Christ rose from the dead according to the scriptures, and he died as a propitiation for your sin, for my sin, and all who believe that Jesus died for them and put their faith in him are saved. And the question still remains, will you be made whole? And every person has to answer that question. Every person who ever gets born again answers that question. Amen? Fact. Moving on to this week, now we're going to talk about Jesus' authority as the Son of God. So let's read from verse 15 to verse, I think, 24 is where I left off in my notes. So let's read from verse 15 to verse 24. Uh, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh, and hitherto I also work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but that he also... but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth, and, uh, excuse me, what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Son loveth for the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father wrought, raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. 
that all men should honor the Son as they have honored the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now these are the verses that we're going to focus on today. And I titled this, The Authority of the Son. Because this is what we know of who Christ is. And in this, we see many biblical doctrines jumping out of the page at us. Amen? Now, before we start, let's pray. Father God, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit would be here in our midst. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we come to the end of this narrative and we start to see who your Son is, God. I pray that you would mold our hearts and minds that you would break down the walls of unbelief, that you would open the blind eyes and the dead hearts would come alive to the truth of who Christ is, and that those who don't believe might come to believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, teach us, overwhelm us, and empower us to hear your word, to obey your word, and to live out your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I want to start with just a few very basic things, okay? Number one, this guy goes back and tells the Jews who healed him because he now knows, right? Before, he didn't know who this was, right? They said, who, who was it that told you this? I don't know. I don't know who the guy was. He took off, and now there's a big crowd there, and I can't find him. Then Jesus comes and finds him and tells him who he is, amen? And then he goes back to those Jews and tells them, look, that's the guy right there. Now, this guy's motives were probably just as genuine as yours. Because let me ask you a question. When you first came to faith in Christ, you wanted to tell everybody, right? You were so excited about what Jesus did in you that you were just running running to and fro telling everybody about what Jesus did for you, right? Come see, just like the woman at the well, right? She got, she met the Messiah and she went to town and said, come see the man. Told me everything, right? Told me everything I ever did. Come see this man. And when they came and saw the man, do you realize that is the same biblical uh, 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 view of making disciples and bringing people to Christ that we saw at the very beginning of John remember what we saw at John first two disciples went and spent a whole day with Christ before the other disciples ever met him and when they got back what happened Andrew said I'm going to go get my brother Simon and tell him and then uh, Philip went and found Nathaniel and said Nathaniel come and see if this man is the Messiah Amen? This is the biblical way that we tell people about Christ. And if it's not happening in our life, it's no wonder that nobody knows about Jesus because the church is not telling them. Amen? We must tell people about Christ. Verse 16, they sought to slay him. I want you to, in the King James of verse 16, 
there's a phrase that's in here that is not necessarily in all of the old manuscripts that we have, but I want you to go to it. Verse 16, it says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now, many manuscripts leave out this phrase, or it's not there. The older manuscripts don't have the phrase, they sought to slay him, that is in verse 16. They simply say Jesus is, they wanted to persecute Jesus because he broke the Sabbath, okay? That's how the verse reads in the older manuscripts. Now, that doesn't mean this isn't true because verse 18 clearly says that they are seeking all the more to kill him. And all of that verse is in the oldest text, amen? So we got to understand that even if this was an addition or an added commentary, it's still true. Amen. They were seeking to kill him. So I don't want you to get sidetracked by, oh man, that, that part about them seeking to kill him in verse 16. Oh, it's not in my NIV or it's not in my ESV or it's, you know what I mean? People get all worried about that. But the reality is you don't need that verse 16 to prove this. It's said very plainly in verse 18. Amen. It says they sought all the more to kill him. That means, number one, that they are seeking to kill him. Number two, that they were seeking to kill him beforehand. Amen. Because it says they sought all the more to kill him. Amen. So they were already seeking to kill him. Okay. So don't get all sidetracked when people try to throw you a curveball about verse 16. Okay. It's irrelevant. Okay. It's irrelevant. Now, verse 17, I got a little note here. I want to read this from the ESV Study Bible. I love this note. It says, my father suggests a closer relationship with God than other people had. Okay, now I want to deal with this for a second because some people in modern Christianity try to teach that you can have the exact same relationship with God that Jesus can have. Now, you can and are children of God if you're saved. But here's what you're not. You're not the son of God in, in the sense that you're part of the Trinity, that you are God in the flesh. You'll never be that. Amen? The reality is there's only one incarnate son of God. Amen? Now, we're all going to be children of God and sons of God, if you will, but in a lesser sense than Jesus is. Because he is God in the flesh. Amen. So we got to understand that distinction. That Jesus has a very different relationship than we can ever have with the Father. And it's because of who he is. Okay. He is not just a man. He's both God and man. Amen. He's not one or the other. He's both. Amen. You, however, will only be men and women, <laughs> saved sons and daughters of God for sure, but you will not be God, ever. <laughs> Amen? Now I want to read a little more here. When Jesus says, my father is working now and I am working, he implies that he, like the father, is Lord over the Sabbath. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Jesus is implying by his statement that just like God the Father is Lord of the Sabbath, so is God the Son. 
Lord of the Sabbath. Now, we also know that the Holy Spirit is God and also Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Because Paul did miracles on the Sabbath day. Amen. Paul's preaching and work was done all over. Matter of fact, Paul met with the Jews every Sabbath day and talked and, and, and ministered Christ to them. Amen. In the synagogue, it says, right? Number one, Jesus' relationship with the Father is different, but it expressively teaches that although Jesus is God, he's also in relationship to the Father, submitted himself to the Father. Willingly. Amen? Now watch this. He, like the Father, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath. You can find this in, uh, let me look back a week ago, and I'll tell you where you can find this. Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath, you can find in Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through Mark 3, 6. Luke 13, verse 10 through 17. Luke 14, verse 1 through 6. And Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 14. All of those you see Jesus doing miracles on the Sabbath and even declaring that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Now, verse 18 is the crux of this argument because this is where we begin to start to see what the, the, the Pharisees are really upset about, okay? Because everybody will go like this, okay? Well, what are they, why are they ready to kill Jesus over the Sabbath? Well, it wasn't just the Sabbath, okay? There was more to it, right? Look at this, verse 18. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their opinion, I want to put that in quote in their opinion, because Jesus never once broke the Sabbath. Amen? It was not unlawful for this man to carry his bedroll. It was not. That did not break the Sabbath. Did not break any Sabbath law. They just accused him of that. So I want to put that in perspective. He broke their traditions. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling, even calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God. Do you understand that when he said, the son, the father, as the father works, even till now, so the son works. When he called himself the son of God, what they knew that to me was he was making himself equal with God. Now, here's the real fact. If Jesus had been just a man, if he was just flesh and blood people born of the dirt, just like me and you, it would have been a sin. It would have been blasphemy to say that he himself was equal to God. But the difference is he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. He was the God who came and put on human flesh. The incarnation that Isaiah talked about. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen? So Jesus has every right to call himself equal with God because he is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was 
God. Amen? Now, going on from verse 18, this is where Jesus begins to make his argument about his authority. Okay? Now watch this. I want you to understand that they just we just read in their own words, they said, Jesus made himself equal with God. Right? I want to show you something. Read verse 19. And Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Now this talks about their oneness, how they're all one. Amen? God doesn't have... Uh, the father doesn't have his own will that he wants to work out and then the son has his own ideas that he wants to work out and then the spirit has its own ideas that it wants to work out. They all agree all the time. Amen. There's never once did Jesus go, well, I'm not going to do this. Come on. It's talking about the agreement between the Godhead. Amen? Now, there's a mystery in this because most people will say, well, see, right there, God and him are one, so there's no difference. But there is. He still calls God the Father the Father and still submits to him like a son. Now, this is not because God the Father is greater than him. It is because in relationship, the son has, uh, has agreed willingly to be submitted to the father. Amen? We know one thing for sure. It wasn't the father God on the cross. It was God the son on the cross. We know one thing for sure. It was not God the Son speaking from heaven at Jesus' baptism. It was God the Father speaking from heaven. Amen? And it was the Spirit that descended upon the Son in the water. And it was the Spirit that descended on the day of Pentecost. It was not the Father or the Son that came on the day of Pentecost. It was the Holy Spirit of God. Or if you really, King James, it's the Holy Ghost. Amen? So we see some truth here, not only about Jesus being authoritatively equal to God, but also in relation to the Trinity, the Godhead, he submitted to the Father. And that submission is not inferior because they both have the same will. Notice that the Son only does what he sees the Father see, uh, doing. Amen? Now watch this. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak of himself, but only what he hears my Father say. Why? Because there's no disagreement in the Godhead. We do not worship three gods, we worship one God. There's only one true and living God. This is absolutely biblical. But there is three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely cannot get around it if you're reading the Bible honestly. Amen? Now, lastly, <laughs> there's, they're seeking all the more to kill him, it says in verse 18. 
breaking the Sabbath and making himself equal with God. And then we see in verse 19 that even though he's equal with God, he's still in submission to the Father. Amen? Now watch this. Now watch. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all, shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Now here's the, here's the crux of this one, okay? Because a lot of people spend a lot of time going, what's these greater works he's talking about? What's this, what's this greater works? Well, up to this point, he's just healed this lame man, right? And at another point, he had healed somebody else, right? And then he turned water into wine in Canaan, right? But he hasn't done the greatest miracles that he has planned on doing. Amen? What's the greatest miracles? And I wrote a couple things down here for you, okay? Uh, greater works. Number one, raising the dead. Lazarus, chapter 11 of John. Remember, John's writing this whole book, right? John wrote the book so that you, mo that you might know that Jesus is the Christ and that in believing in him, you will have life in his name. Amen? That's John, uh, 30, or John 20, verse 30 and 31. Amen? So John's writing this so that you know who Jesus is, that he's the Christ, that he's fulfilling the role of Messiah. Amen? Now watch this. He's going to raise the dead in John chapter 11. That's one great miracle. Then it's going to go a step further. And he's going to die and be res risen from the dead himself. Now we know that Peter said God raised him from the dead. And we know that Jesus said no man, lays, no man takes my life. I lay my life down and I have power to pick it back up again. Amen? So Jesus... His, his other great miracle was raising himself from the dead. Amen? And then the other great work is still to come that Jesus is going to open the graves of all the believers and all of the unbelievers. People are going to rise from the dead under eternal life and people are going to rise to the dead and go to damnation. Amen? That's what's going to happen. And it's his voice that's going to call them to life. Watch this. Go with me to John chapter, uh, oh my goodness. I think I wrote this down. Let me look for it real quick. Verse, we're on verse 20, right? Uh, John 5 verse 27. We're in the same chapter. I know it was right there. Watch this. Speaking of himself, let's start at verse 25. Truly, truly, I say unto you, an hour is coming, and now is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now, he's talking about us here on earth, right? Now, watch this. Verse 26. For the Father has life in himself, so he has granted also the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel about this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs. Will hear his voice. And come out those who have done good. To the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil. To the resurrection of judgment. And it will be his voice. That they hear. 
This is totally agreed with what we read in just the next few verses. Amen. Look at verse 20, uh, 21. For the Father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. Verse 22. For the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. All judgment. So when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise with the voice, now, I want you to understand that voice. It says there's going to be a voice, and then there's a cry of an archangel, okay? See, the archangel isn't the voice. The voice or the word is Christ. Amen? There's going to be a voice one day, and that voice is going to open every grave that's all over this planet, and he's going to say, come out of there. And everyone is going to come out. Those who believe into eternal life and those who don't believe into eternal judgment. It's what John 5.27 just said. Amen. These are the greater miracles, the greater works that God has entrusted to him that he's talking about in verse 20. Verse 20, let's read it again. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Now why is he going on this tirade to tell you that the Father has life in himself and has given the Son life so that the Son could give life to whomever he will? For the Father judges no one but gives all of the judgment to the Son. Why? Why? I put a big why on my notes. When I'm studying the Bible, I don't, just, I don't just read it like I already know it, okay? I want you guys to practice this. When you're reading this stuff, I want you to stop for a minute and go, why? Why is he doing that? Why is he saying that? Why is John giving us these words from Christ to say all these things? Why is Jesus saying it? Because he's trying to tell you that he is the one you will worship. Period. Look what he says in verse 23. If you have a King James, I believe it says that all men should honor the son. The ESV says that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Do you see this? He's telling you unequivocally, you must worship the Son just like you worship the Father. If you don't, you don't even honor the Father. So for all of those people who may very well say, well, I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but I just don't believe Jesus is God. Eat wrong. Jesus is God. And if you do not honor him as God, you are not honoring the Father. That's what he's telling you. Unequivocally, that's what he said. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Did you get that? 
So what does it mean to believe in Jesus, okay? This is where we're at, okay? Because there's a lot of things that people say they believe, okay? People say, well, I believe in Jesus. But then when you, you really get to the nitty-gritty, they go, well, I believe Jesus was a good teacher. Or Jesus was a prophet. Or a good man, a good rabbi, right? But this is not saving faith. Saving faith is not just believing that Jesus is a good idea. Uh, saving faith is not believing that Jesus is just a good way to God, one of many ways to God. No, Jesus said in John 14, there is no other way to God. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They will not get to the Father any other way. The reality of what he's saying is, if you believe in me, you must believe that I am God. And if you don't, you don't believe in me. That's the truth. And we have so many different denominations now that try to paint Jesus as you know, kind of a secondary issue and, and oh, he, he was a good teacher and oh yeah, he was, he was the son of God, but he wasn't God. No, he was God, is God, and will be God forever and ever and ever. Go read Revelation, amen? You can't read the book of Revelation and come away thinking that Jesus was anything other than God when he says, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am he who was alive and who died, yet behold, I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and hell. And I have a gift for all those who believe. Amen. This is our promise. This is what it means to have faith in Christ. It's not just to believe about Jesus. See, because we have this misunderstanding nowadays in Christian culture where I just believe that there really was a man who was named Jesus. And I really believe that he taught some stuff. But that's as far as it goes. They never get to the point where they declare you are the son of God, like Peter did. Remember that? Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And he said, some say thou art uh, Elijah, or Elisha, or Jeremiah, or John the Baptist, or one of the other prophets. And then he looked right at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? Peter looked at him and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. The reality that that statement, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, what that meant in John 5 is that he was making himself equal with God. And it made the Pharisees want to kill him. Sought all the more to kill him. The truth of the gospel is this. Those who believe are changed. I want to challenge you today. Faith in Christ is not just a mental assent. Faith in Christ is not just something that you mentally believe that doesn't bear any fruit in your life. Amen? Belief in Christ is something that fundamentally changes you. Amen? Faith in Christ turns you from darkness to light. It translates you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Faith in Christ 
comes in and God opens up a dead heart and brings it to life. He takes out a heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh and you're changed. Paul said any man that is in Christ. Now that word man right there doesn't mean men. It just means human, human beings, any person who's in Christ is a new creation. The question you must ask yourself is do you believe in Christ like this? Is Christ God? Is he God in your life? Is it, is it him that you worship? Is it him that you serve? Is it him that you cannot live without? Is it him that directs your path? Is it him that chooses and directs your decisions in life? If not, I ask you to reevaluate where you are. The Bible says, let a man first examine himself to see if he be in the faith. It's the same word for man there, human being. Let a person, every person, examine their self to see if they be in the faith. Because belief in Christ is belief that he is God and nothing less. Amen? Now, I want to I close with prayer, but then I have an a, a, a individual that I want to pray for, and I want you guys to help me. Uh, who's who's going to shut the live stream off? Is that your job, Tristan? Okay. Well, let's pray. I want to pray for you all, and then we're going to pray for Aaron, okay? I want you to shut this off right after we're done praying, okay? Father God, we ask that you would help us this morning. As we continue to read this chapter of John where we understand who Jesus is, where we understand that he is judge of all things, that he is the judge of all the earth, that all judgment has been given unto him, just like all power and authority has been given unto him, just like his name is the name that's higher above any other name in heaven and in earth, that he, it is that we have to believe in. And we can't believe in this Jesus of our own making. We can't believe in this fictitious Jesus of, of other people's opinion. But we have to believe in Jesus for who he really is. Revealed in the word of God. Who is poured out into the hearts of men who believe and come to faith in him. Because they believe that he is God. That he is God in the flesh. That he is above all things. Through all things, and all things are sustained by the word of his power. Help us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go fellowship in a little while. That you would give us peace and blessing and grace in our fellowship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.